Chapter Three of Being a Boy by Charles Dudley Warner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mark Penfold. Chapter Three, The Delights of Farming. There are so many bright spots in the life of a farm boy that I sometimes think I should like to live the life over again. I should almost be willing to be a girl if it were not for the chores. There is a great comfort to a boy in the amount of work he can get rid of doing. It is sometimes astonishing how slow he can go on an errand, he who leads the school in a race. The world is new and interesting to him, and there is so much to take his attention off when he is sent to do anything. Perhaps he himself couldn't explain why, when he is sent to the neighbors after yeast, he stops to stone the frogs. He is not exactly cruel, but he wants to see if he can hit him. No other living thing can go so slow as a boy sent on an errand. His legs seem to be lead unless he happens to espy a woodchuck in an adjoining lot when he gives chase to it like a deer. And it is a curious fact about boys that two will be a great deal slower in doing anything than one, and that the more you have to help on a piece of work the less is accomplished. Boys have a great power of helping each other to do nothing, and they are so innocent about it and unconscious. I went as quick as I ever did, says the boy. His father asks him why he didn't stay all night when he has been absent three hours on a ten-minute errand. The sarcasm has no effect on the boy. Going after the cows was a serious thing in my day. I had to climb a hill which was covered with wild strawberries in the season. Could any boy pass by those ripe berries? And then in the fragrant hill pasture there were beds of wintergreen with red berries, tufts of columbine, roots of sassafras to be dug, and dozens of things good to eat or to smell that I could not resist. It sometimes even lay in my way to climb a tree to look for a crow's nest or to swing in the top and to try if I could see the steeple of the village church. It became very important sometimes for me to see that steeple, and in the midst of my investigations the tin horn would blow a great blast from the farmhouse, which would send a cold chill down my back in the hottest days. I knew what it meant. It had a frightfully impatient quaver in it, not at all like the sweet note that called us to dinner from the hayfield. It said, Why on earth doesn't that boy come home? It is almost dark and the cows ain't milked. And that was the time the cows had to start into a brisk pace and make up for lost time. I wonder if any boy ever drove the cows home late, who did not say that the cows were at the very farther end of the pasture, and that old Brindle was hidden in the woods, and he couldn't find her for ever so long. The Brindle cow is the boy's scapegoat many a time. No other boy knows how to appreciate a holiday as the farm boy does, and his best ones are of a peculiar kind. Going fishing is of course one sort. The excitement of rigging up the tackle, digging the bait, and the anticipation of great luck. These are pure pleasures, enjoyed because they are rare. Boys who can go a-fishing any time care but little for it. Tramping all day through bush and briar, fighting flies and mosquitoes, and branches that tangle the line, and snags that break the hook, and returning home late and hungry with wet feet and a string of speckled trout on a willow twig, and having the family crowd out at the kitchen door to look at him and say, Pretty well done for you, bub. Did you catch that big one yourself? This is also pure happiness, the like of which the boy will never have again, not if he comes to be selectman and deacon and to keep store. 
but the holidays i recall with delight were the two days in spring and fall when we went to the distant pasture-land in a neighboring town maybe to drive thither the young cattle and colts and to bring them back again it was a wild and rocky upland where our great pasture was many miles from home the road to it running by a brawling river and up a dashing brookside among great hills what a day's adventure it was it was like a journey to europe the night before i could scarcely sleep for thinking of it and there was no trouble about getting me up at sunrise that morning the breakfast was eaten the luncheon was packed in a large basket with bottles of root beer and a jug of switchel which packing i superintended with the greatest interest and then the cattle were to be collected for the march and the horses hitched up did i shirk any duty was i slow i think not i was willing to run my legs off after the frisky steers who seemed to have an idea they were going on a lark and frolicked about dashing into all gates and through all bars except the right ones and how cheerfully i did yell at them it was a glorious chance to holler and i have never since heard any public speaker on the stump or at camp meeting who could make more noise i have often thought it fortunate that the amount of noise in a boy does not increase in proportion to his size if it did the world could not contain it the whole day was full of excitement and of freedom we were away from the farm which to a boy is one of the best parts of farming we saw other farms and other people at work i had the pleasure of marching along and swinging my whip past boys whom i knew who were picking up stones every turn of the road every bend and rapid of the river the great boulders by the wayside the watering troughs the giant pine that had been struck by lightning the mysterious covered bridge over the river where it was most swift and rocky and foamy the chance eagle in the blue sky the sense of going somewhere why as i recall all these things i feel that even the prince imperial as he used to dash on horseback through the bois de boulogne with fifty mounted hussars clattering at his heels and crowds of people cheering could not have been as happy as was i a boy in short jacket and shorter pantaloons trudging in the dust that day behind the steers and colts cracking my black stock whip i wish the journey would never end but at last by noon we reached the pastures and turn in the herd and after making the tour of the lots to make sure there are no breaks in the fences we take our luncheon from the wagon and eat it under the trees by the spring this is the supreme moment of the day this is the way to live this is like the swiss family robinson and all the rest of my delightful acquaintances in romance baked beans rye and indian bread moist remember doughnuts and cheese pie and root beer <laughs> what richness you may live to dine at delmonico's or if those frenchmen do not eat each other up at philippe's in rue montorgueil in paris where the dear old thackeray used to eat as good a dinner as anybody but you will get there neither doughnuts nor pie nor root beer nor anything so good as that luncheon at noon in the old pasture high among the massachusetts hills nor will you ever if you live to be the oldest boy in the world have any holiday equal to the one i have described but i always regretted that i did not take along a fish line just to throw in the brook we passed i know there were trout there end of chapter three recording by mark penfold